Before we get started with today's episode, I would like to say thank you to all of you who listened to my past episodes already. That really means a lot to me, starting out with a new project like this podcast. And I would love to hear from you directly. So if you are listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, you can write a comment directly below. Please also follow me on Instagram with the name but underscore boring or head to the show notes for the direct link to Instagram where I will be sharing more content in the next weeks. And now let's jump right into today's episode with Charlene Liu. Welcome to Anything But Boring, the podcast for everyone who wants a more exciting life. If you want more than a traditional career and are looking to bridge the gap between your creativity and savvy business sense, join me in listening to motivational stories of people who have done just that. I am your host, Julia Schippers. Every two weeks, you'll hear inspiring interviews with entrepreneurs, artists, and aficionados of life, as well as actionable tips that you can implement right away to get closer to your dream life. Welcome to Anything But Boring. My guest today, today with me here, is Shalene Liu. Unfortunately, not in person, but this is the first online interview that we are recording. Um, so we are both in Shanghai in our house confinement. Shalene <laughs> <laughs> mm, came to Shanghai from Malaysia 17 years ago and has worked in the semiconductor industry for many years and is now the founder of Lady Sue Tech. And I believe you also have your own company where you do um, consulting around diversity and inclusion topics. Mm -hmm. That's right. <laughs> Thanks for being my guest today. Well, thank you very much, Julia. Shalene, um, why did you decide to come to China originally 17 years ago? Okay, well... I didn't really come over here directly from Malaysia. Well, I was born and raised in Malaysia. I left when I was 19 years old to study electrical engineering at the University of Texas at Austin. And then uh, shortly after I graduated, I returned to Malaysia to work as a process engineer in the semiconductor manufacturing industry. Well, I got bored uh, before I... Worked for two years, I moved on to Singapore. So I was in Singapore for almost seven and a half to eight years and then decided to come to Shanghai. Now, you were asking me, how did I end up in Shanghai? So interestingly enough, I was dating someone back then in Singapore. Uh, as life would have it, uh, things didn't go too well with the relationship and almost lost uh, everything like friends and, and all that and uh, property and money. But uh, we don't need to go in details to that. And I really wanted a new start, a new chapter, just to leave my so-called uh, that life behind. So I looked around and incidentally, a former colleague of mine in, semicon in the semiconductor industry, he says that, hey, you know what? Semiconductor is booming in China. Uh, there are some job openings in Shanghai that I know about. Do you want to come over here? And I'm like, okay, but I don't know any Chinese back then. 
I wasn't speaking the language uh, very well. It was almost non-existent. And I said, you know what? What the heck? Let's just uh, take a leap of faith and then move to a, a brand new world, a, a brand new chapter. And that's how my adventure in Shanghai started. I thought, you know, I'll, I'll just be here for two years. Well, let me tell you, the first three months, it was really tough because I didn't know the language. I didn't know anybody. But I said, okay, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna leave up. I cannot give up, right? It's gonna look bad on myself. So I said, okay, two years. And then two years came and went, and I said, okay, maybe another three years, make it five years, because five sounds really good, and uh, uh, things will look good in my resume. And then five years came and went, it became eight, mm -hmm. it became 10. And, you know, I have stopped counting, Julia. This is going to be my 17th year in September. And I have uh, no regrets. I have enjoyed every bit of it. And um, am I right to assume that when you started out as an engineer in the semiconductor industry, there were not so many women? Well, yeah, I never really uh, take note of that. But from my years, my 20-something years in the semiconductor industry, from a junior engineer to a manager, uh, there have always been those few of us, right? So I thought, okay, maybe this is the way it is. This is a norm. And um, it never really bothered me. I wouldn't say, well, bothered, but I didn't really say that it affected me that much. But now, on the hindsight, hey, things could have been different. You know, um, fast forward to 20 years later, I don't think things changed that much. Um, progress can be faster and better. So that is something that really inspired me and motivated me to do something about it. And that's one of the reasons Ladies Who Tech was founded. <laughs> Maybe let's um, jump right in. Can you explain to my listeners what Ladies Who Tech is? Mm -hmm, sure. Well, before that, I want to explain how it came about, right? In 2015, my then girlfriend and I, we went to, we were going to get married in Hawaii. And before we did that, we stopped by in San Francisco. So we kind of did the honeymoon before the, the wedding. But we stopped by <laughs> in San Francisco and we, we, lived, we stayed with this couple. And this couple was having a documentary, was promoting the documentary at Castro Theater. Um, and they invited us to go and of course, uh, this couple also invited me to get on stage and talk a little bit about myself because the documentary included a little bit of uh, uh, footage of me and my fellow community members. I was so amazed that in that theater, there were 1,000 seats, all filled by women in STEM. How I know that? Because I asked one of the, I, I asked the founder and I said, is everybody a techie or some sort? And then she's like, yeah. Um, the day itself, I met, I met rocket scientists, I met engineers, all women, coders. And I was, I was amazed. I, and I thought to myself, whoa, if we can get 1,000 people, women, in STEM industry, in one place, 
for a city of uh, the size of San Francisco. What is the possibility of getting more women in STEM industries or STEM fields in Shanghai, given the population is much higher, right? So um, that thought went in my mind for quite a bit of time. And then I came back to Shanghai and started talking to some friends and said, you know what, we could, we could do something similar. And that's how it started. That's how we kicked off Ladies Who Tech. Uh, that was in 2016. But it was end of 2016 that when I met uh, co-founder Jill, Jill Tang, we've been friends before that, but we were talking about women communities and all. And, and I said, you know what, I have this, I started this platform and we could do something about it, right? It's very focused about women and STEM. And she's like, okay, you know, uh, so far it's just been a few events that, we, that, that I have run with some other friends. And she said, well, if you want to make a bigger reach, we, we should go work with companies, organizations, communities, governments, and so on. And I say, well, okay, let's do it. So we, we rebooted Ladies Who Tech, so to speak, um, on International Women's Day 2017. So what is this platform about? What is Ladies Who Tech about? It's a community of women and allies. And our mission is very simple. We want to close the gender gap. We want to... Uh, improve gender diversity and inclusion in STEM industry. industry. So we are very focused. We want to encourage more companies to be more gender diverse, hire more women, promote more women in STEM. And we want to inspire girls and women to, to consider being part of the STEM industry, to take up STEM or tech or engineering as their passion, as their career option. So that's uh, that's our main main vision, main mission. Mm-hmm. And from 2017, um, those first events to now, I believe you grew quite a lot, and now you have um, your yearly convention with hundreds of women present and cooperation with a lot of companies. Yes, absolutely. Um, I remember very clearly in 2017 March the eight we we had about 80 women and allies and we thought wow uh, that was very encouraging right given that also on the same day victoria's secret was opening its flagship store in shanghai just across the the, the city <laughs> uh, <laughs> so we have grown yes we have grown in numbers uh, in terms of attendance as well as digital reach our Ladies Who Tech convention is an annual convention. Uh, it's a full day event. We last year we brought together about over two thousand people actually um, throughout the day, and I was, I think that was a, a big achievement for me because when I first went to that San Francisco uh, t- uh, tech event, there were one thousand people. So I've exceeded that. I'm really happy about. It. I'm really proud about that. So we, we want to continue to expand in, in, in the sense that uh, create or build more city chapters in other parts of uh, mainland China. Um, we do have team members or volunteers who want to create city chapters as well in, in other cities around the world. Like uh, recently we, we launched the London city chapter. We have also launched the Singapore city chapter. 
and uh, hopefully friends who have who used to be part of the 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 Shanghai team when they go overseas they can start their own chapter there so i see this as uh, very encouraging you know women and allies are actually realizing the value of gender diversity in tech in stem in innovation yeah, absolutely. Your your organization is mainly working with uh, volunteers. How do you manage such a big like volunteer community? How do you engage everyone to put in their free time to help organize events, to spread the message, maybe even do some marketing? <laughs> uh, that's a good question. You know, we we really. Our first question to anyone who wants to join the organizing team or the volunteer team is why why does this matter to you right why why do you think you want to join or why do you want to join ladies to tech why do you think improving gender diversity in tech is so important to you so with that in mind we or, or rather with that in mind the volunteers have that as their basis to move forward. So the things that they do, for example, getting getting a promotion of an event out, thinking about what event to promote, what is the point uh, of a particular event, who to invite to be speakers, what is the target audience. These are all driven by the why, our common mission. We want things to be better. We want things to be more gender diverse in, in, in STEM. So each city has their own team leaders, uh, marketing managers, or community managers. So they work among themselves uh, when creating an event, whether it's online or, or offline. Of course, we have, standard, we have standard materials for them to use. For example, the logo, the font type, uh, down to the template of each poster that is created. So some we are structured. Uh, we are structured very well, but of course each team in different cities they have their own freedom or an independence to create their own uh, events and purpose. Mm. And how many volunteers do you have that are working with you right now? Well, we uh, we have we have footprints in I think fifteen cities now. I would say a hundred about. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we normally we have we categorize the core team members as well as team members who are the general team members. So the core team members do most of the planning and organizing, and then the rest of them will be helping on site or online on the day itself. Mm. And I love the fact that you like start by asking every volunteer why they want to join, why this mission that you have is important for you. How did you come up with this mission for you and for your organization? I think, um, well, Jill, my co-founder, and I, we were thinking about why, why ourselves, like why do we want to do that, right? Like, so for me personally, it is important to see more diverse ideas 
in the companies. Uh, also personally, through experience, I have witnessed uh, the bias, the prejudice and the discrimination against women who are in, in companies or uh, especially in the tech industry, right? Just, okay, example. Before I went to engineering school, I was told that I would not be successful because I'm a girl. Because only boys can be engineers. And so um, being a stubborn girl back then, I think I'm still stubborn right now. Being a stubborn person, I decided, you know, I'm just going to prove, my, prove, prove everybody else wrong and prove that I can do this. I can graduate as an engineer. Mm -hmm. So with that, I think that planted the seed. Um, so when, when, I, when I think back right now, I think of the opportunities that, have, that I have probably missed because I, I'm a woman and I did not really fight for, for example, a promotion, which I thought back then... I deserved it, but you went to a man instead. I remember one boss actually was telling me that, oh, because he, uh, he's a guy, uh, he's got to feed his family. And, and I was thinking to myself, how do you know I don't have a family? You know, back then I, I was with a partner as well. So these <laughs> kind of comments, uh, <laughs> it really pushed me to think that, hey, you know, Without all these bias, I think women can do a lot more in science, mm -hmm. a lot more in engineering, a lot more in tech. I think a lot of women, girls, we are not given the opportunity because of our gender. And mm -hmm. with ladies who tech, we hope to change that. We want to change that. We want to call, we want to have a, a social impact, right? And you know, making a social impact is not only about whether companies are hiring women or promoting women, yeah, it is also about whether the families will be will, will be supportive, and whether schools will also encourage girls to go into science. I think one of my my earliest role models, she is my science teacher. You know, she was the one who said, "Yeah." You like electronics, I know this. So I asked her, "What can I, what can I do?" Since I'm so elect, uh, so so interested in electronics back then, and she said, "Well, go become an engineer." And I say, "What kind of engineer?" She said, "Go become an electrical engineer," and that stuck with me. So <laughs> <laughs> teachers, schools are so important in shaping one's thoughts. Um, then, of course, policies, right? In, in society, are they are policies are inclusive enough, like encouraging more women to go into tech, encouraging investors to invest in women-led startups. So these all these points are very very important. So improving gender diversity does not only lie in the hands of companies. Yeah, absolutely. And do you see any differences in how women are treated in the workplace in China versus Malaysia or Singapore or other countries where you have experience? <laughs> I think there is not that much difference. 
uh, Julia, if you ask me in terms of bias, there's not much difference uh, in terms of bias, prejudice, and discrimination. Um, it is a worldwide matter. It is a worldwide issue, I think. And it, it requires worldwide everybody to be part of the solution. In my personal experience, I mean, I work for a chemical company, so um, there are usually more men as well who are chemical engineers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so in our headquarters in Germany, um, when I started working there, there were so much more men in leadership positions. And mm-hmm. um, in China, it's actually by now quite different. So we have quite a lot of um, local Chinese colleagues, female colleagues who are in leadership position, who've been with the company for a long time. Um, I'm not sure if this is the same for state-owned companies, but I once talked with someone who said maybe because in the state-owned companies there was such a prejudice and because there was like a one-child policy for such a long time that a lot of these well-educated, motivated women um, all went into the multinationals and started to grow their career there. Well, it's uh, possible, and also it's uh, possible where we don't see so many women out there is also because, you know, women, we ourselves, mostly in general, we don't really toot our own horns. We don't talk about our achievements a lot. So I'll give you an example. It's very difficult to to find women who are in tech, who are in leadership positions, coming out and say, okay, I can be a speaker. I want to be a speaker for you. The ladies with tech convention, you know, it took us a while, but in the last few year, years, I think things have improved. Uh, maybe because also there is a platform there, and people realize, hey, we can speak at ladies with tech. You know, we can use this platform to inspire other girls, and then companies can use this platform or similar platforms like ladies with tech uh, in different in, in other women community groups to to highlight to give the spotlight to women. So I think we are out there, Julia, uh, <laughs> women mm-hmm. who are in engineering, we are out there, we just don't see them enough. Of course, the numbers could be higher. Um, I'm not saying that, you know, we are even at parity yet. We're hardly there. Yeah. Mm. When you started Ladies Who Tech, you were still working at your last employer. But right now you're focusing full time on Ladies Who Tech and your consulting company. How did you manage to turn that into your main job? Well, Julia, I have to say this. I have, I have turned my passions into my businesses. And uh, so that's something that I'm really happy about. Before, I was, uh, I've always worked for a company and for 20-something years. Well, I've worked for different companies in, in my last 20-something years in the corporate and manufacturing world. Um, Although I do enjoy working, but I really found my passion in in things like making a social impact, right? Ladies Who Tech is one of them. My latest uh, initiative, DNI Consulting, is also one of them. So with these two combined, I think uh, I'm so much happier waking up every day to be working. You know, making someone, changing someone's mind, um, seeing a student who says that, hey, I never knew I, a girl could be an engineer, but now I believe I can. And seeing some of these students change their majors to computer science, computer engineering, chemical engineering, 
it really warms my heart. It is really motivating for me as well. And, you know, it gives me the, the thought that, hey, I can, I can make a difference. And if there are more people who can make a difference, I think we could all be in a better place, so to speak. I, I know it sounds a little bit cliche, but uh, at the end of the day, that's also one of my, my objectives, make it a better place. And how did you um, make this change from like a traditional career to working on these projects that are really like your passion? And mm -hmm. Well, one word, uh, short answer is one word, COVID, right? But the long answer is, uh, to be honest, Julia, I have been thinking about how to um, turn all these passions which uh, that have been started, I guess, since I arrived in Shanghai, um, All these things that I have started since I arrived in Shanghai, uh, but I didn't know how. But then through events, through uh, talking with companies, talking with uh, different organizations, realizing that I can make a difference in other people's lives. And I thought, okay, you know, if I could make this my job, that would be fantastic. And sure enough, so sometimes things fall together also because of timing, right? It was 2020 and COVID has just started. My Also my uh, contract with my last company also was ending. And then my contract wasn't renewed and I thought, you know what? This is maybe a good start, uh, maybe a springboard. And I thought to myself, how, what if I start just doing this as my full time? Um, so Jill and I, you know, turned Ladies to Tech into a company and uh, we started moving from there. There was no turning back. And then shortly after also another one of my uh, business partners, Ivy Wong and I started DNI Consulting. So both have different um, target audience, both do different things, but similar in the same, in the sense that it's making social impact. And I guess that's what people say, the rest is history, you know. Uh, <laughs> COVID made me, made me uh, take the leap of faith, basically. So you were running um, Ladies to Tech for more or less three years before you decided to like turn it into a company, go in full time. Yeah, took me a while. Well, to, to begin with, I'm also a risk-averse person, right? I always have to weigh the consequences and then wait and see but i think 2020 came and and things to say okay you know do it now <laughs> so i listen <laughs> i listen i say okay um how did you turn it into a company like what were the um important steps to make this bigger to connect with uh, maybe sponsors so to becoming an entrepreneur, like what were your first steps as an entrepreneur? Well, um, we established a company because we we know that we have to we have to have income, right? I mean, we need to eat, so we established it as a company, and uh, our our model is the B two B model because uh, maybe also you know in Shanghai. People are spoiled for for choices, so we won't. We know we knew we weren't able to. We won't be able to have income from just by with from the community. 
right? A lot of people don't pay for events. So we thought, okay, if we want back to back to the initial idea, if we want to do it, uh, we want to have a wider reach. We have to go big. We work with companies because why? Companies, hey, they have the revenue, or rather, they have the resources, and they have the employees, right? All of us employees, whether our own uh, company establishment or working for someone, we spend most of our adult working lives in a company. So it's important that we we like where we work, we feel safe where we work, we feel that we are included where we work. And that was how one of the motivations of moving towards that direction. Yeah, you're right. I mean, Shanghai is a fantastic place in the sense that there are so many things going on. Whatever you want to do, you usually find a community <laughs> which has an event within two weeks, which you just don't find in like smaller cities. Um, but then there's mm. so much competition for your time and attention. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> sometimes you uh, you might even double book yourself or triple book. Or sometimes you do all three. You just catch the middle part of one and then the, uh, the beginning of one and, and the, the end of another one. and how do you do your um community building or maintaining so like do you do a lot of marketing or how do you engage the community to always come back for for more events for more sessions Mm -hmm. well uh we think that uh, getting interesting topics right getting people to discuss interesting topics really really works really matters and okay let's backtrack a little bit julia so our community, we're not telling women that, oh, you can be better than men. So we're not about that, right? Um, our community or our platform is more of, I will introduce you to role models. Role models, women who are in STEM, who have created products or startups or whatever innovative uh, solutions. And well, they just happen to be women right Mm -hmm. so they talk so these role models and we don't we normally don't call them speakers we call them role models we we want them to talk about their products not only about their journey well journey is important like how did you end up in engineering for example and uh what drove you what are the challenges that you had to overcome right but more importantly talk about a product that you have built example maybe an ev electrical vehicle or the latest um, handheld gadget. Like, I'm sure a lot of women were part of designing and manufacturing these items, right? Tell us about that. So when the audience seems like, oh, wow, you did that? You know, that's where the spark of inspiration comes. And that's what we want. We, we, we want. And we think this is also one of the reasons community members come back and, and attend our events. So events, initiatives, um, they are the community building tools for us. So getting, getting, getting interesting topics, getting people who are passionate about, uh, passionate about these topics, talk about all these things that have done, and then getting the community, uh, promoting it to the community, 
uh, allies, women as well as allies. So that's how we continue building our communities. You know, last week we hosted a, a topic, a webinar on the topic of NFT. We were surprised. Well, one was there was so there are so many women who are in this space, and secondly, so many women as well as allies are interested in this topic. So we try to do things that are um, a little bit more fun. Also, you know, our webinars are not not or, or, or rather our events are not just about okay. You go to a tech conference, you sit there and you listen to all men speak about technology and then you go outside to the convention hall and then you see only men uh, talking to each other. You know, we want to make it fun. We always put it in some music, some dancing, <laughs> mm -hmm. and uh, some drinking. Um, yeah, you know, tech is not just boring. Tech is not just about being, it's not a boring topic, Julia, if you understand what I mean. STEM is not a, a boring topic. It can be fun and fun people do STEM as well. Yeah, I know. And I also know that you always try to make the events fun. And um, I mean, when you come on stage, you bring on such a lot of energy, like the whole room feels your energy. So I think you also really like being a, a speaker and engaging the audience. Um, and also men, I know, like, when, when you say like women and allies, like I know mm. all the events, you, you're always very happy to also see some men who, who attend those events. Oh, right? yeah. Actually, Julia, if I, might, if I may, I'd like to make this point, right? I mean, the Ladies Who Tech is not only for, for women, it's for allies as well, because we need people from other genders and also other professions to be supportive. After all, you know, we, our, our, our slogan is tech has no gender, but also tech really involves everybody these days whether it's a cell phone a tv or um a wechat pay everyone has tech in their hands and everybody is engulfed in tech already so i don't believe when someone says oh i'm not i'm not tech enough i think there is no such thing as not tech enough mm -hmm. you know even my mom she knows she she does all her stuff on the cell phone on the laptop i'm like okay, mom, you know, that's great. And I encourage you to do that. Um, so it's for everybody. And this is also, we don't, we don't want to be, we don't want Ladies to Tech to be exclusive as well because we really need everybody's support. We really want everybody to be connected because of science, because, because of tech, because of engineering, because of math. Mm -hmm. So that's, yeah one point that I would really like to, to put up there. Absolutely. Mm. And how did you happen to start your second company? Mm. Well, okay. So I'm going to be completely honest here. Well, I, I said that when I moved to Shanghai from Singapore, it was with a then girlfriend that I broke up with. And I thought, you know, I'm just going to be straight from now on. That was in 2005. So I came to Shanghai. I said, I'm just going to keep low profile. I'm not going to go out. I'm not going to meet anybody. I'm just going to just work, right? Work my ass off. But of course, that didn't happen. I met uh, many friends back then. Uh, well, almost 20 years ago, we didn't have that many restaurants and places to hang out. So we will always see each other in the same places every week or every other day. 
<laughs> and so happened that some of these friends that I made, they were part of the LGBT plus community. So from there, we decided, okay, you know what? There are so few of us. Let's just, you know, pick a, a day in a week and hang out and, you know, organize different activities. So we did. In, to, in 2006, we became like uh, the welcoming community uh, for, for LGBT plus people around the world and also outside of Shanghai. Um, then it turned to 2009. Uh, some of uh, my friends were leaving the country already, going back home or going elsewhere. And then they, we decided, you know what, let's, let's combine all these activities that we've ever done in the past few years into one week and then let's call it Shanghai Pride. <laughs> so, and yeah, 2009 was our first Pride event or Pride uh, week-long festival. And then we thought that it was just going to be for one year. But then um, at the end of the events, a lot of people came and said that, oh, you know, it's the community is so so welcoming. Uh, it's great to connect. Um, they found it. They found their uh, people who were supportive. They even found their other halves. They found the courage to come out to friends, family, and colleagues. And we thought, wow, this is something that again could change someone's life. Um, and throughout that, we we started right. It changed my life, Julia. I accepted myself. Um, I came out, for, well, for two friends first and then to colleagues. I met um, my wife through, all, through, all through Shanghai Pride. I came out to my mom also. So it changed my life. It was a turning point for me. And again, while organizing all these events. Uh, we also started working with companies besides other communities. Um, and, and these companies also had a, a, a need, right, on trying to figure out how to be more inclusive for, for their employees who are LGBT+. So, so we, had, uh, we organized a few events for them during Pride Week. And, and then it didn't seem enough because more and more companies were asking, like, you know, who, who can you find to talk about this? Who can you find to talk about uh, families and coming out and, and, and benefits in the company? So another of my, uh, one of my other friends, Ivy, so she said, well, you know what? Let's think about starting a business on this. And sure enough, again, COVID. <laughs> so yeah, again, the rest is history. We started uh, working with companies. We started um, uh, advising companies about uh, what LGBT plus mean, uh, how to be more inclusive, what are the myths and what are the facts, uh, what are the common misconceptions. So that's how we started. And then uh, fast forward to this year, we decided that, you know what, more companies also, I guess, COVID driven, more companies are thinking about how to be more to, to treat their or how to better take care of their employees, right? So now there are more companies asking about how do, how do they be more inclusive to employees who, uh, who have disabilities. 
or the um, aging workforce, right? I won't say aging, mm. just say more experience and higher age mm-hmm. workforce like myself. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, it, there is a generation gap. If you see, if you think about people who are in their 40s, 50s, and people who just uh, joined the workforce like in their 20s. So that's like 20 years of differences. Yeah. Even I have a generation gap with my my co-founder Ivy, right? I definitely I also have a generation gap uh, with Jill. So how do companies, right, big companies, how do they how do they overcome these uh, the challenges that the gap might bring? And then we decided to expand our our DNI uh, focus from LGBT plus to more of a broader term, a broad, broader scope. Basically, you started out with like a, a topic you're passionate about with some volunteering at activities. Mm-hmm. And then there was demand. So you decided, okay, if there's demand, we're going to yeah. go there and serve that demand. <laughs> I think what I like about uh, doing this, uh, again, it's about turning my passion to business. Is I'm not here to just make ton, a lot of money. Well, first of all, it's not a lot of money, right? But I'm here to also, most importantly, is making, is changing someone's lives. Or hoping to improve someone's lives because it has improved my it has changed my thinking as well Absolutely. you know if if i have not gone into ladies to tech or shanghai pride or dni consulting right i might still be a very closeted now middle age uh woman in tech not sure i'll be happy because right now I think I mean I I can say I, because right now I'm really happy. The thought that coming out has really lifted a big burden off my shoulders. It has boosted my confidence as well, and it's also you know helped me see that there are people out there who are same, similar, and also different than I am. And we all these different people we make the fabric of society, of the community, of the world. So the key is how to put all of this together and work together, you know. <laughs> Shalene, how did or where did you meet your wife? So, uh, like I mentioned before, it was during Pride that I met her. I remember it was uh, 2013. And um, it was the first time, it was in June. First time I, we organized a run for Pride. And we were supposed to run from a, a park in Shujiahui to a park in into Fuxing Park. Well, I didn't run because I'm the organizer. But the real reason why I didn't run is because I don't like running. Anyway, I was at the ending point at Fuxing Park, and at the end, some this this girl ran in and mm-hmm. said, "Oh, who is this?" And she was running together with a friend of mine. Japanese and I said, oh, I've never met her before. I've never seen her before in Shanghai. She must be from Japan. I don't know why. And so I asked uh, my my fellow organizers, my fellow volunteers, who's that? And they said, I don't know. Go talk to her. I'm like, I will. So (laughs) the funny thing is (laughs) she arrived and then I just kind of sort of like stood next to her and then she started, she she lit a cigarette and I just said something uh, something like, oh, you're so healthy, you know, after you run, you light a cigarette. It was meant to be a sarcastic joke. Well, we exchanged numbers uh, and asked her out for dinner on a Wednesday. 
And then she said, yes, of, co- of course. But, okay, but <laughs> didn't really go well as a date, as in we started hanging out <laughs> at other places with a lot of friends. Yeah, it wasn't considered a date. So, but I asked her out again on, on Friday for, for a movie date, and we were watching Superman. And that's how we started. The next day, it was a Saturday, we hung out again, we started drinking. Yeah. Then she moved in with me. She moved in with me on Monday, and uh, she's still here. <laughs> and you eventually got married. And we, we, we eventually got married in September 2015. Yeah. And let me follow up with this one, and I can also cut this out later, but in China, you would not be able to get married. What's the position of like LGBTQ community in China? Well, like it's not forbidden, but it's not, I don't know, you can't get married, you can't get... Yeah, not forbidden, but not advocated as well. Yeah. So, but I think we are more progressive than a lot of countries in the, in the sense that being LGBT is, uh, is, is not a crime. It's been taking off the list of criminal, criminal activities um, in the late 90s. And then it's also taken out of the mental illness list in early uh, 2000s. So I think we are in sort of a gray space. Uh, don't really, we're not so-called encouraged to talk about it that much. It's like, I don't know, it's like don't ask, don't tell, sort of. Yeah. Um, However, I have a, another story to tell, and you might you can cut this out if you want to. In one of my previous companies, I have just gotten married, and you know when you get when you when you, and I just started this within this new company. So when you enter a new company, you have to fill up a bunch of forms, and then the form in there will ask you, you know, your name, blah blah blah, details, and then questions. Will, the next question will be, are you married? And I was so hesitant. So should I say yes or no? And by that time, I was already out to mom, so it didn't matter. So I didn't want to lie anymore. So you can imagine, before coming out fully, I kind of had a double life, yeah? So I said, I'm, yes, married, yes, check, yes. Then the next question was, oh, spouse's name. I'm like, oh, my goodness. So I put my wife's name, and then I submitted the forms. And two weeks later, to everyone's surprise, I received one insurance card for myself and one for my wife. Wow, company is inclusive after all. That's why I'm saying, you know, we got to keep our positivity. I think, I hope, I pray in my lifetime, uh, we will, our marriage will be recognized. I hope so too for Thank both you. of you. <laughs> and I'm very happy to keep this story in. I just wasn't sure if you're comfortable with me publishing this. Oh, that's very that, that's really all right. And yeah, I'm I'm happy to talk about uh, these stories. I'm really happy to to share my experiences. Um, Julia, you know, the podcast and uh, it's a it's good it's a good opportunity for me. You know why? Because last year. Uh, 2021 I and I normally don't kind of I don't really don't agree with New Year's resolutions but last year's last year I made a New Year's resolution that 
I was thinking to myself, okay, I'm hitting middle age, and I think my experiences, my stories can influence or can inspire or can can help, hopefully, people from other generations. So whenever I have the opportunity to share, I really would want to do that. So I'm really grateful that you allow me this platform to do that. Thank you. Perfect. Thank you so much for, for sharing with me. <laughs> Next, I have a little bit of a funny question for you that I ask everyone. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So um, I would like to know which color you are. So if there's one color which would represent you and your personality, which color are you? Well, only one color. Actually, I'm looking at my rainbow watch. Just now you saw me wearing it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's not a color. That's a few colors. <laughs> uh. Maybe I make an exception for you. <laughs> well, my I have a few favorite colors. If you're asking me favorite colors, right? It was, uh, it it's been blue, it's been uh, purple, and uh, now it's green. Sometimes it's black. So it really depends. Are you able to tell what person I am uh, according to the color? It really depends how you define those for you. So what? Mm -hmm. Do blue and purple and green mean for you? Which part of you do they represent? <laughs> uh, let's see. Well, when I was a kid, we we were divided into sports houses, right? Like a group, like team, team sports. So if you're part of the blue house or the red or, or the green or the yellow. So I was blue. And that for the longest time was stuck in my mind that my favorite color would be blue. And also that was uh, sort of a um, rebellious uh, rebellious option because I don't want to like pink. For the longest time, my mom insisted that I like pink. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's her favorite color. It doesn't mean it's mine. You know? And oh, just because I'm a girl doesn't mean that I have to like pink because she bought me everything that's pink and she made other people buy me things that are pink and I really abhorred that color. So blue was my favorite back then when I was growing up and then I, I guess it kind of stuck. And then later on, I found it very a strong, strong color, especially the dark blue ones. And then why green was when I was grew older in high school, I was put in a greenhouse. So I had, well, I told myself I, I would like green. I don't know if I had to, but um, that was for a little while, green. Uh, I guess back then it was more loyalty. You know, if I like green, then it, for me, it's being loyal. Then uh, for some time, I like purple because it was sort of a, a mixture of, it's, it's a mixture of blue and, and red, right? So it was like a strong mix, kind of like a mysterious color. Um, it also represented uh, the part when I was, you know, very unsure about myself, my um, well-being, LGBT, and all. So that was the time I really liked purple. And then one time, I liked black because it's the cool color. Like everything goes <laughs> with black. Yeah. I think someone said that you everyone should have a black cocktail dress or black suit in the closet. I have both. <laughs> so black was so cool. 
Um, now I think I'm sticking back to green because you know green is about life. It's it's about it's about the earth. So I, I'm more that now. Thank you for asking me that question. It really got me thinking. <laughs> Great. To kind of wrap up our interview, I have um, two more questions. <clears throat> What book, movie, or podcast would you recommend to listeners? <gasps> book. Yes. Okay. <laughs> well, okay. Movie. I don't know. Where should I start first? So I am reading and uh, I told myself, you know, I have to keep up with Bill Gates about the reading. So I'm nowhere near him, but every year I try to hit 10 books. So I'm reading right now Ruth Bader Ginsburg. She is such mm -hmm. an inspiration. Okay. Uh, I think the movie as well. Uh, more movies like Hidden Figures, even the book. I would recommend that. Most recently, a friend of mine, uh, Maria, she, she sent me a book called Culture Map. I think everyone should read that as well. So many, so many books I have to talk about. Yeah, Culture Map really helps because, you know, we now, globalization, right? We now work with, speak with, interact with, are friends with people from all over the world, Julia. And all of us are from different backgrounds. Um, While we think communication is, in, uh, is, is the key to all this interaction, but how we communicate or the underlying, uh, the background behind all this communication, you know, it comes from culture. So yeah. I would recommend that book. I did yeah. read that one as well. Like uh, when I moved to China originally, helped me to understand some things. Ah, okay. Well, I just read it. And, and yeah, everything there is so on point yep so these are some of the books actually if anyone is interested i'm i know I'm, this is another project of mine i'm going to take photos of all the books because my shelf my little shelf is filling up i'm going to take photos of all the books and then start giving them away if anyone's interested just putting it up there great <laughs> where can listeners find out more about you online do you have instagram website mm -hmm. well uh My, you can find me very easily. WeChat is Liu Shaolin. Not very creative. So it's just my last name and my last name and then my first name together. Liu Shaolin at WeChat, Liu Shaolin at Instagram, uh, Liu Shaolin at LinkedIn. Okay, perfect. Yeah. <laughs> and with that, I would say that's a wrap. Thank oh. you so much for being my guest today and sharing uh, all these interesting stories of how you became the the woman that you are today um, or the lady that you are today. <laughs> let me say it like this. <laughs> well, thank you so much for inviting me. It's been a really nice chat, for, uh, nice Sunday afternoon chat. Thank you so much. <laughs>